Welcome to the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Brian Christopherson. I'm joined by Michael Brunts, um, and I am offering my apologies, and we are going to run stadium steps today because I was not here for the last podcast. You, you had some tech issues that happens. Um, you know, it's I, I felt badly. Hopefully you got the, the tire tracks off your back where Schaefer threw you under the bus for, for your computer. What did, he, what, did he, what did he do? How did he uh, run them over me? No, I think he, he was he, – he said you were out playing golf. Ah, isn't said, that interesting? He said you're playing hooky, which – I. He, can we rule out the fact that he's not playing golf today? I don't know. No, no, we can't. We, I mean, he might be, he might not be, but we can't rule it out. That's for <laughs> sure. You, I think you defended my honor slightly and blamed it on my dog, and that would be accurate because he ran through my cord and my computer, and uh, the, the computer went crashing to the ground, and it, I, it was a sad situation. But I ended up with sort of a, a better screen now on my new computer, and so Ronnie, my puppy, is a hero. He did you a accidentally. favor. Accidentally, yeah. He's an accidental hero. So uh, I'm thankful. There you go. Everything turned out fine in the end. And here we are on the Friday podcast. I'm like Jerry Seinfeld. Things even out, you know, something it, bad happens. It even does. <laughs> then I get $20 in my pocket. It just, it, I forgot that it was in there. There you go. So what do we have to talk about? Yeah, it's it's a little slow these days. Um, aside, uh, at least on the football front, but you you had a a run of, I think, pretty solid content at Husker twenty four seven. Thanks. Based off of a lengthy discussion uh, with Travis Fisher about all things defensive backs and recruiting and all that other stuff. So I think we should hit on some of that because I I think. You know, we, we've kind of previewed that group already um, and, and kind of what they have coming back. A very veteran group with some intriguing guys nipping at their heels on the depth chart. But I think there was a lot of topics that uh, we can maybe dive into here if you want to do that. Let's do it. Um, and I forgot we previewed them, but that's not surprising because we, uh, we had a plan that we were going to go through every position group, but nobody actually wrote down which position groups we went through. And so yeah. we're sort of uh, we're probably repeating some of them. Yeah, but hey, let, let's get into, you know, your, your conversation. You hit on some some good stuff, but what, I, I guess, give me the, the most intriguing thing that, that Travis Fisher talked to you about or that you asked him about uh, that came out of that conversation. I, I mean, I think it's Nadab Joseph. Um, he didn't, by any means, guarantee that he's going to be a starter or anything but he said he's sure going to be in the running for it and I hadn't given up on a dab Joseph at all um, I mean not a you're not going to with the prospect of that nature who was wanted by basically everybody coming out of high school but I also didn't really know what his situation was so when I asked him about it it wasn't like a leading question or anything like isn't it you know is Nadab about to turn the corner it was sort of a serious like where's what's his situation and you know like how involved is he over there I know he had some injuries like can he get himself in the mix and then you realize as Travis Fisher's answering the question yeah he's definitely in the mix he's right in the middle of it and uh, that's exciting I think to Husker fans we did a poll the other day on our site asking you know which newcomer they thought would bust you know onto the scene in 2021 and he won the vote and I was thinking to myself a week ago, how many votes would Nadab Joseph have 
received in a poll like that, you know, because I just don't think anybody knew quite where he was. So, so what you're saying is that article started the hype train down the tracks? <laughs> well, I kind of ended up sounding like I was really patting myself on the back for the article. <laughs> that wasn't the intent. I, but I, I, it was more, I, I, I like the rest of them over the last week. Um, was like, okay, Nadab Joseph, you know, like I just, I just think a week ago at this time, I wasn't thinking about him very much. And I don't know if a lot of fans were. And suddenly as you go into spring in a few weeks, I think he's a very exciting prospect who could work at corner, could work at safety. Um, I mean, we're talking about somebody who Alabama wanted out of high school. He had some, you know, academic hurdles that, so that didn't work out. So he ends up signing with Georgia. Uh, but that didn't end up happening because of the academic thing. So he had to go the Juco route. Uh, so it's been a winding road here. So it's always a good thing when a guy like that, who has been through so many things and shows up to Nebraska and it doesn't just happen right away from for him last year. Like he wasn't cleared to play until November. There were some injuries. He only participated in two games on special teams. That could be a situation where a big time recruit gets kind of, you know, down in the dumps and, you know, gives in a little bit and he's doing the opposite. It appears that Travis Fisher says he's one of the first guys there in the morning real early all the time, just, you know, so he's a guy who's at least to his coach's eye is really driven right now. And that's sort of where it stands. Yeah. The, the, the point I think that maybe got lost um, in the discussion last year about him was the fact that he wasn't eligible till November. Like he, Yes. The reason he was not playing is because he could not play. Like it wasn't uh, you know, an issue of him, you know, not learning the defense or being buried on the depth chart. Like he, he was in limbo eligibility wise um, until was it the Illinois game. Was that his first game? Yeah. It was something like that. I mean, there was really, when you think about it, no way a guy like him was going to bust it. Like you were going to see him as like the starting cornerback all of a sudden it would, it would have been a huge upset or just, you would have been like sort of in desperation mode. And as Travis Fisher said, it's not like they were the deepest overall last year because they weren't by the end of the season, but he makes a very good point. And I'm paraphrasing. But basically the top four or five guys were really dependable guys, you know, that he had like with when you have Boodle or you had Boodle and you had the two senior safeties and Cam Taylor Britt, it's going to be tough to, to break down a door and just take snaps away from those guys, you know, like that's not an easy group to necessarily do that. Um, and so he was making that point, which I think is a good one. The, I, I guess what's the, picture look like for him moving forward because he he could play at either spot right yeah and uh I have to say he didn't Travis Fisher didn't uh give away where that would be you know how it is uh he's one of my favorite guys to interview over there Travis Fisher but if you ask him about a guy's position he's generally going to tell you we cross train everybody you know and that 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 continues to be the way of doing things. Like I asked about Noah Pola Gates, you know, is he a safety? And he's like, well, I mean, right now they're working all over the place. He's working at corner safety. So, so it's hard to dial in, but the, the, you know, the takeaway quote was Nadab Joseph can be in the running to be a starter corner or safety. And he says, 
I, I say that, you know, knowing, you know, we have two senior safeties and there's Cam Taylor Britt over there and all that stuff. Uh, but just because you're an old guy doesn't mean you, uh, you get a spot. And he said the old guys understand that fully. So that, that group, um, you know, there was a lot of, I guess, kind of back and forth um, in the off season about, you know, what, what that group would look like coming into the spring. You end up getting Dismuke, Williams, Cam Taylor, Britt, all back. Um, what, what do you, I, I guess, what did he kind of tell you about the, the decisions that those guys made and maybe where things stand with that group now? Because he said, you know, he was careful to say that they weren't maybe the deepest group last year, but what does he kind of feel about that depth now going into 2021 with, you know, those guys plus a, a Miles Farmer coming back off of a pretty bad ankle injury too? Yeah, I think first off, it wasn't like they had a lot of conversations, he said, with those guys before they decided to return. Basically, they came, like Cam Taylor Britt, he said he had one conversation with about it. I think it was one conversation, and that was that was sort of that. Now, there was a decision to be made. He didn't act like it was just like Cam was like, yep, I'm definitely coming back. I mean, there was at least some thought process that was put into it, but it, it, it was pretty efficient in how it all went down. And the, the same for the seniors. Uh, he's, I, th- I got the impression that both those senior safeties, when 2020 was first starting, when the season was first starting, and it was said that seniors could have an extra year in 2021, Fisher sort of said those guys seemed to maybe, at that moment, maybe the thought was, you know, we'll move along uh, after 2020. Because they're older guys. I mean, they're both like 23 or 24 years old now. It's not only that you want to pursue your football ambitions at the pro level, maybe. It's that you're getting to the point where maybe you just want to move on with life. But as they got further into the 2020 season, um, he, he mentioned that those guys, in a way, have some unfinished business, he feels like, at Nebraska about this team and like kind of setting this program straight and, and getting this this uh, – this, uh, program you know on the winning ledger again and so I think that was part of it really with some of these guys returning it's just like there's sort of a bad taste in their mouth right now because there's been these losing seasons and it's like you don't know what's going to happen at the next level if you try to make the pros you there's no guarantee that that's going to happen for you so there is something to be said for spending another year you know in a program that you've put a lot of blood sweat and tears into and saying, I want to leave this on a firm foundation before I head out the door. And I, I definitely think that's on the minds of a lot of these guys. There's some other young guys in that group um, that, that you wrote about. I, I think there's, you know, given his uh, the accolades that he came in with as a, a four-star guy that, that, you know, was a, an All-American Bowl participant with no Nopola Gates. Uh, you've got Miles Farmer you have kind of an intriguing matchup or battle, I guess, this spring at that cornerback spot to replace DiCaprio Boodle. Um, I mean, what, what's kind of the, the picture, I guess, of a guy like Timon Lynham and, and um, Quentin Newsom and those guys uh, as, as they, I guess, we're still, you know, 20 plus days away from the start of fall or spring camp here. But what, what did he kind of have to say about depth? 
Yeah, I the think young guys. Timon Lineup's an interesting name um, because he is a guy who is from Florida. He was part of the 2020 class where some of those DBs left. But he came into Lincoln. He immediately got after it in the weight room. He gained like 25 pounds in a matter of months. And Travis Fisher said he really got in the boat with the veterans. Like he really got around those guys and sort of just soaked it in. And Travis Fisher's point is guys like that who come maybe from the South, you know, there were obviously some departures and a big deal was made about that. But usually if after you kind of get your feet settled for a year or so, he feels pretty good about guys, you know, sticking and, um, you know, really b- believing in the culture and being part of things. And so Lynam's a good example um, of a guy who was a newcomer who did come from far away and uh, really uh, grew to, you know, has grown to, I think, enjoy where he's at and appreciate the competition around him. So that that's an encouraging story. I do think it could be hard for Lynam this year this is just me talking to break through because you hear Nadab Joseph's name and then Quentin Newsom to me is sort of going to be the guy that maybe people won't talk about it enough. Cause there'll be like this energy around Braxton Clark, if he's back from injury and obviously Nadab Joseph, but Quentin Newsom was basically a third starter last year at corner and they would throw him out there in some key moments to give a guy a breather, like to give Cam or DiCaprio a breather. And you wouldn't even notice it because he would just lock up his guy. And I think there's a ton of confidence in him. So I think Quinton's going to be tough to budge um, in that competition at one of the corner spots. It's going to be a good one, but I don't think it's going to be easy to knock him off. And he said, Noah Pola Gates almost played more last year. Uh, and is definitely going to play this year. So that it's a big year, obviously, for Noah because it's year three, and you want to kind of make that move. That the 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 point you just made about kind of how they wove Quentin Newsom into the rotation, I think, is a uh, it's an important one because that's kind of what they were doing with Miles Farmer a little bit, you know. So you know when they they have a, it feels like when Travis Fisher has a guy that's kind of close to being able to maybe not start, but is deserving of playing time. It, it seems that's kind of the way he operates. I mean, you, you'll get a, you know, a, a series here, a series there where that guy is, is kind of thrown in the mix and then, you know, they come back out. They, they, they were doing that, correct me if I'm wrong, a little bit with Braxton Clark um, before, you know, he got hurt um, with, with his, I guess that would have been what, 2019. Um that year. So, I mean, that, that's where, you know, those young guys have to be ready. Cause it seems like if there's an opportunity for, you know, even, you know, eight snaps or something like that, a game, uh, they're, they're not afraid to throw guys in. Even Isaac Gifford got in, in kind of a similar situation last year at times, whenever they had the targeting issues and injuries and all that other stuff. So I, I think it's a good approach. And I think the defensive backfield, especially if guys are, close to being able to contribute I think it makes sense to kind of go about doing it that way yeah he wants basically eight guys that he feels are starters and he wants to be able to have 10 or 12 that he feels like he could play so that's almost almost all of his scholarship room basically he wants to feel like we could use you um 
Isaac Gifford, it's good you brought him up because people should be paying attention to him. They they like him. He's very mature. He played – he was in there, like you say, on some key defensive snaps. And when you talk about who's the next JoJo Doman after JoJo, you know, Javen Wright, who is still working with Travis Fisher, by the way, at, and is listed as a safety um, – he could obviously be a guy who has a body type that could fit in that role. But I think Isaac Gifford is a guy who they can move around as a chess piece all over the place too. And I think they already know that. I think Isaac has a lot of the same traits and, you know, skill set as his brother. And that's a compliment because I think Luke was a very good player by the end of his Husker career. So uh, Isaac Gifford, um, I think Travis Fisher's quote, like he's a grown man or something like that. I mean, he's, he's definitely on his, his radar. And uh, the, the other guy I would mention, uh, I don't know if he'll factor in immediately as far as the secondary, but Marquise Buford, who's an early enrollee has picked up things basically as fast or faster than any freshman Travis Fisher's coach. He said uh, he's processing information at both safety and cornerback. So um, that all in all for the guys that they left, they lost those three guys from the 2020 class in the defensive backfield. I feel like they're not in a bad spot, you know, and a big part of it is because those seniors did come back at safety because Cam Taylor Britt came back um, because of those things. They're really, I mean, I'm not saying they're just like, you can say they're, they've got amazing depth yet but they definitely have the potential for very good depth and to move on from those departures pretty quickly where it's sort of one of those things like, Oh yeah, that happened. You know, they have the ability it's within their control to make that those departures from last year, sort of old news in a hurry. And I think that's sort of what Travis Fisher plans to do. You you mentioned Javin, Javin, right. He's at safety. What's the plan? Well, I kind of understand uh, where coaches come from. Everybody gets caught up in the labels. And at some point you, I mean, you do have I'm to caught up in the labels, Brian. Yeah, I do. I do too. Um, label. I mean, at some point you got to decide who you're like, who's the coach you're working with the most and stuff like that. And I do think there are some different, there are different requirements of like what Jojo Doman does. Um, everybody in Travis Fisher's room does, but Travis Fisher does make the point that a lot of the safeties and like the outside backer spot that Doman's playing um, a lot of, there are a lot of crossover similarities there um, between what they're asked to do and a point well taken when you consider that there were plays where I thought the best play Jojo Doman made all of last season was the one against, I think it was Minnesota which was a terrible game for Nebraska. But remember when it was like a 50 yard pass down the field and you have Jojo Doman, your outside linebacker, you know, making a play on a ball, like a safety and knocking it away. Mm-hmm. So you see, you, you do see where the, you know, the circles mix there um, and what he's talking about. But I, I still think that's going to be a big storyline with Javen Wright sort of as it goes forward, which, which coach do, does he work with the most, you know, um, do they move them over into Dawson's room or how much do they split that up? I don't know yet. Maybe, maybe they are splitting it up because I only talked to Travis Fisher. So I'm sure we'll learn a lot more in the spring and Javen Wright's got to get healthy. That's the thing. He's had some tough 
you know, injury setbacks that uh, probably stopped him from being a contributor last year, but I know they really like him over there. So he's another guy, Travis Fisher said, is he's there early all the time and is just sort of a sponge. So uh, he's got some guys like that and that's why he's pretty optimistic. Anything else that we, uh, we didn't hit on that's worth hitting on? No, I mean, I think we went through most of it. Miles Farmer, it sounds like is, you know, he's moving around and cutting pretty well. Um, uh, so we'll see if he's full go this spring or if it's sort of – Travis Fisher said you got to be smart. There's still a lot of time till the season. So I would guess maybe some of those guys, they back off a little bit. You know, when you think about it, Farmer's injury – seemed terrible on the surface when I first heard about it and all that. And a guy gets carted off. You mean I had the worst thoughts of like what the timetable could be. And so the idea that even if he's like sort of just half go out there in spring, but he's out there, Mm. that's, uh, that's way better than I thought it was going to be in December. So that's to, to me, that's very encouraging. It sounds like Braxton who had the shoulder thing, is uh, he's knocking the weights around in the weight room pretty good and is ready to compete. So um, I think they're pretty healthy, uh, knock on wood right now. As long as they don't have to uh, go back to West Lafayette between now and the, the start of the season is what you're saying? Yeah, and that one got moved, right? So that they were going to have to go back there, weren't right. they? And then, so they, maybe that was part of Nebraska's, you know, they're like, hey, we can't. We, we already lost that. Farmer and Adab Joseph in that game. Like that, <laughs> they were basically running a shuttle service on that uh, on the Gator cart, getting those guys off the field. Until you put some field turf on that bad boy, we are not going back to Purdue. That was like the the ultimatum that that, <laughs> that Bill Moose gave them. Um, are, isn't Purdue supposed to be a school that specializes in turf management too? Yeah. Well, yeah, they've got that like picturesque golf course right behind right behind the stadium and near that McDonald's where Purdue Pete got a little rowdy, uh, at three in the morning. So yeah, for, for his, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think you're going to be getting a letter of recommendation from anybody at Nebraska for Purdue's turf management program. Maybe they should just stick to engineering and putting astronauts in space. Yeah. Um, Purdue Pete, uh, did get in trouble at the McDonald's, uh, in the parking lot on stadium drive, which was fitting that it was the stadium drive McDonald's. And I, I remember that I saw that story and I think I saw it a smidge before you. Yeah. And I, I was so excited to send you that link. <laughs> not, not cause of someone else's misfortunes. I hope the young man that is actually was Purdue Pete. Although in the headline, they called the guy Purdue Pete. They didn't like call him a, that was like the name Purdue Pete gets in trouble. So I sent you that headline cause I knew that would, uh, resonate with you yeah that was uh that was the talk of the house for a couple days i think have you ever had to explain at home why you have you know what you're you're liking a purdue pete or why you feel so attached to him like does your wife ever get concerned about that or no we don't actually talk about it i uh i'm pretty (laughs) sure that that would be a uh, potential deal breaker if we got into that conversation so It's a good thing she didn't know about that when you were yeah, recording. Exactly. Uh, well, that's all I know. Uh, I, I have a limited amount of knowledge up in this brain, and I just I used most of it right there. You emptied the tank. Yeah, but right. you know, you know some things about uh, Husker baseball. I bet. Yeah, they're they're 
facing Purdue actually uh, this afternoon. Um, we can talk about it a little bit after the break if you want. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to Husker 24-7 Podcast. I'm Brian Christopherson, joined by Michael Bruns, and they're going to play ball. It's actually going to happen. It's, uh, it's, it's baseball season, finally, um, at an empty stadium in, in Round Rock, Texas, just as, just as, it, uh, as it should be, I guess. Just as they announced that 8,000 people could get inside an indoor <laughs> arena, but uh, yep. we, we couldn't get like 800 into a ballpark, at least. Yeah, so, um, yeah. so Nebraska baseball starts today uh four game series against the purdue boilermakers uh we we can get into just a a cursory preview of things here but um i guess to to start with you had the the big 10 does this thing in every sport where they have players to watch it's not a yeah it's not a preseason team or all conference team it's just players that you might want to watch it's the participation ribbon of preseason all-conference teams. Nebraska has Cade Povich, Chance Rock, and um, Spencer Schwellenbach as their group. But more importantly, the Big Ten actually does a preseason baseball poll among its coaches, um, strangely enough. And Nebraska was not picked in the top six, um, which – not particularly surprising, um, but you know, I, I think I think with this year's team, I think there's probably a kind of a wait and see um, with with the conference on what Nebraska can be. You've got you know three. I, I guess Povich started last year, but you have two new guys in the weekend rotation. You have a completely different back of the bullpen. You you have guys that you can kind of count on, I guess, in the lineup, but uh, there, there's some unknowns around this team as they kind of get going. Um, so not, like I said, not particularly surprising that Nebraska wasn't picked in the top six, but uh, definitely, you know, an, an opportunity for Nebraska to surprise some people it, 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 because, you know, they're, they're kind of coming off still. I think Michigan's riding high off their championship series appearance uh, at the College World Series a couple of years ago. But I think every other team in the Big Ten has some nice pieces. They also have guys that are uh, – there's some question marks there too. So 
uh, lot, lots of uh, potential for shakeups, I guess, in the conference. All right. For th- there's fans out there who, you know, they don't know the lineup inside and out. They, I think, I, I think there's people like me who it takes like a few weeks into the season where you got to like get the names in order. Like, okay, this is the new Husker team. Like you don't know, it's not obviously talked about all off season, like the football roster is, but give us the, give us sort of the one through nine and strengths and potential holes. Like give us that, like uh, the, the Phil Steele, Michael Brunt's preview, you know, so with the lineup, like I said, Nebraska had a lot of guys come back that, that had that extra year granted. Mojo Haggy's back. Luke Roscom is back. Joe Acker is back. Um, so, so you have guys that have kind of been through it a little bit. Uh, Jackson Hallmark is also back uh, in, in the lineup. Hallmark's going to pitch a little bit too. But uh, Spencer Schwellenbach at shortstop is a, a, a likely high draft pick uh, mm-hmm. that gets a lot of attention from – uh, scouts he'll also be an arm out of the bullpen he's been throwing 95 96 miles an hour out of the bullpen uh, for, for Nebraska but um, you know two young guys to watch Max Anderson from Millard West he'd been committed to, to Texas A&M for a long time uh, ended up coming to Nebraska instead he's going to play a lot for Nebraska this year uh, Bryce Matthews uh, the other freshman I think to really watch in the infield he was a really talented high school quarterback out of Texas, um, really athletic kid uh, who's going to get quite a bit of run uh, around the infield as well. So, you know, the, the thing to remember about this team, at least on paper and, and also from talking to the coaches, they feel really good about the depth they have in their lineup this year. They have the ability to match up uh, with righties and lefties more so than they have in the past, which is huge. And, you know, you, you have, you know, the other guy I forgot to mention, Logan Foster, another Texas A&M transfer who was a freshman All-American. He's going to be eligible this year for Nebraska in the outfield. So, you know, one to nine, they've got guys that can hit. And that was the one thing that in the shortened season last year they did really well was they scored runs. Uh, you know, they, they really knocked – they knocked Arizona State around a little bit. They knocked Baylor around. They were kind of starting to find their feet, their footing a little bit at the plate when, when the season got canceled. So – I think as we stand right now on Friday, March 5th, they should be able to score some runs. Um, we can, I guess, talk a little pitching too. Um, you know, that, that's the big question mark is whether they've got the, the guys that can kind of shut things down. And I know that the pitching staff, at least the starting pitching, has been very good in practices and, and was also very good in the fall as well and, and really competitive against a veteran lineup. So we'll see if that translates, but you have Cade Povich starting today, uh, left-hander, former Juco guy, uh, another guy that that's gotten some early MLB draft run, uh, behind him, you have chance rock, um, who transferred as a grad transfer from New Mexico state. He was all conference down there, a sinker ball pitcher. So keeps the ball down, uh, which is a positive there. And then Shea Shanneman, who was Nebraska's closer last year uh, and a really important arm out of the bullpen his freshman year, uh, is going to be transitioning to kind of the, the Sunday role for Nebraska this year too. So they've got three guys they feel pretty good about. The question mark is whether or not they have the arms in the bullpen to kind of bridge the gap um, from their starters to, to a guy like Schwellenbach uh, in, in maybe that closing role. So, um, 
you know, that that's kind of the challenge for every big 10 team, I think is, is a depth of pitching, but certainly for Nebraska, they're going to have to show that they have that ability. I think if they're going to get into that conversation beyond just uh, in the top six in the conference. Chance her rocks, a pretty sweet name too. And, and he's got, I, I, I tweeted the photo. He's kind of got that, um, Portland barista, old timey railroad worker mustache going. It's like a, it's like a half Raleigh fingers right oh, now. Oh yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it. I didn't know that was Chance, but now yeah. I, it, So okay. you, you put kind of like a newsboy hat on him, um, and, and he could be like, you know, in a pair of coveralls working out on like some kind of late 1800s railroad. Um, but you know, that it's. He's kind of got quiet confidence. Um, you know, I, I, he pitched – New Mexico State is, is a good baseball program, and their, their stadium, I believe, is at almost 4,000 feet altitude-wise. Like, it's, it's just basically a bandbox. And he was really, really good there. So I, I think that, uh, that bodes well, at least, for, for transitioning to the Big Ten right away for him. Although I know Nebraska in the past has kind of had uh, mixed results with – with transfer guys, but I, I think uh, he's at least got the, the resume to come in and, and be pretty effective. Does anybody under 30 still use the word sweet, by the way? Like that's a sweet name. I don't, I, that's probably dating me a little bit. <laughs> that and the fact I was watching taxi reruns the other day, kind yeah. of dating me. <laughs> yeah. That I, I don't know what, maybe we can, we can ask around. Um, yeah. Certainly the taxi reruns would, would put you in a different age bracket. I think. Yeah, I thought you were going to maybe come over to my house and do an intervention when I texted you that I was watching Taxi. Um, but anyway, that star-studded cast, though. I mean, Christopher Lloyd, Andy Kaufman, Danny DeVito. You said you had a, a, Mary Lou a, Henner. a Tom Hanks guest star, right? Yeah, he plays a pothead. Uh, it's an episode where Christopher Lloyd, you know, Christopher Lloyd was sort of a, uh, you know, a drug guy in the show. And... Uh, it shows Christopher Lloyd in college being this well put together fella who's against, you know, any sort of that recreational activity. And Tom Hanks is in there with a lava lamp doing the, doing some uh, work on some things. So um, yeah, he, that was a surprise, but anyway, um, that's your taxi uh, minute of the day. Um, that's, a, that's a good transition. I'm guessing that there's probably a large segment of the population that would identify with baseball. It would also very closely identify with, with taxi. <laughs> yeah, they actually do cross over probably. Uh, but you mentioned Nebraska wasn't in the top six, which actually surprises me. Um, I get the sense, maybe I'm misreading your tone of voice, but I think you think that's wrong okay if you had to bet something of significance in your house that nebraska would be top four in the big 10 this year would you do would you say yes or no uh i would i would say that they would probably be right around the four spot that's a, that's actually a really good over under on where i can see them finishing i i think that nebraska is a better baseball team this year than what what was reflected in that preseason poll um, you know, like I said, I mean, I think there's teams that are very good and have a lot of returning guys and, and even Purdue, which has not been a very good program, uh, the, the past few years, I mean, they, they basically returned all of their starters, all of their guys, um, 
in the rotation. So that that's going to be the problem in the Big Ten, I think, for you know most schools outside of maybe Michigan and Indiana. They, they weren't really hit by the, the draft last year. So you have a lot of veteran guys, some good arms, and it, it's going to be, I think, a pretty tough schedule. But that's why I, I, would, I would probably say – I, w- I would say yes, that, that I, w- I think Nebraska can get to four in the conference. I think Michigan and Indiana right now are just kind of ahead of, of, of everybody else in the league right now. They, they really both have some dudes um, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that, that can make some noise. The, the, the big thing to follow, obviously, um, and, and we can end on this, with, with the Big Ten only playing other Big Ten teams, would a top four finish in the league be good enough to make the NCAA tournament in the past? Yes, it has been because you, you have those early season games to, to really kind of gain RPI points and, um, you know, kind of get ahead that way. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that it's going to be really tough if a, if a big 10 team is kind of borderline on whether or not they're going to get into the tournament to put them over a team in the ACC or the SEC just because you don't have the head-to-head matchups at any point during the year to make that determination of, of how they kind of stack up. Were you going through withdrawals this past week that there wasn't a Nebraska Northern Colorado series happening? It was too, it was too warm. Like, yeah, it's always that Tuesday night game where, this is the way the weather always works for that matchup. The Tuesday night game for Northern Colorado is usually the home opener. There's probably a good chance that it's about 38 degrees at first pitch. And then the next day it's like 67 and just the best spring day you could ever imagine. So yeah, it does feel a little weird. The old Northern Colorado is not coming to town. You're not getting the, uh, the, the mid the midweek matchup with Creighton where, you know, Ed service comes in and makes 15 pitching changes or, you know, that, that completely random Wednesday night game against Omaha where Nebraska seems like they always have to white knuckle it through that game. So it, it's going to be weird um, for sure. And, you know, you, you're, you're going to have weekends with four games on it too. I mean, they're, they're playing a, a double header on Saturday where the first game is only seven innings. So it's going to look different, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, at least it's finally baseball season is actually being played, which is a good sign. It feels like that Nebraska Northern Colorado is usually happening while pro day is happening. And some guy who actually ran a 4.77 was timed by someone's uh, phone clock at 4.41. And that is making the rounds on social media. Well, and, and as you know, it's never official until Gil Brandt tweets it. So um, <laughs> that, that, that four, seven, that, that he heard some four, four, fours and four fives uh, is never, never really in the books until Gil tweets it. So that's baseball. You got the preview. It's going down. Uh, Hoops is finishing up. They had a rough night against Iowa, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of expect, <laughs> yeah, we don't have to dwell on that. I, Honestly, I kind of knew that was coming. I, I really like. I saw some people getting diving deep on social media about that game. I'm like, wasn't this kind of predictable? Maybe not 38 points, but I was pretty darn good. And I sort of thought Nebraska was due to to run it off the road for a game after a couple of good ones. Yeah, no, it was. Iowa's a bad matchup for Nebraska. They're a bad matchup for a lot of teams. I mean, they're, they're number five in the country for a reason. 
But win, win this weekend. That's all. Yeah, I'm, yeah. you go. You got to go beat Northwestern on the road. Have some some good feelings going into the uh, the off season and the Big Ten tournament. But yeah, last night, um, I think the line was like seventeen and a half. And you know when you factor the you know, Iowa just being really good. The fact that they believe shot 43 three-pointers in that game, um, you know, it, it was just not going to be a good matchup. And then Nebraska kind of didn't make the trip, it seemed like, anyways. So um, that, that's just a bad recipe, and uh, that, that's how you end up losing by <laughs> – you end up giving, giving up triple digits and just not looking interested in being there. Yeah, I ended up watching Caddyshack. So yeah. – I you felt are okay about it. You are like right around like late fifties, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> seems that way. It was a sw- it was sweet watching Caddyshack. Uh, well, that's that's all I know. What is, do you have anything else to say, Bron? So you got anything you got to get off your chest about what's going on out there? No, I think that's uh, that's good. I, I put Enjoy the, the weekend. Lots lots going on on the site. Lots of uh, there is baseball, basketball. Lots of recruiting. Nebraska's making more offers, more quarterback offers. So never a, uh, a dull moment at Husker 24-7. Yep, come back for all the latest. Thank you for listening. There's a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.